1: Uh, I want to begin today uh, unpacking a news story uh, that broke just a couple weeks ago. If you're fluent in social, I am not, and even I saw it. So if you're on social, you saw this already. Uh, but there's a news story that broke just a couple weeks ago, and I, I think it speaks to us today. And I just want to watch this short clip as we begin. roller coaster at a North Carolina amusement park is shut down this morning after a visitor noticed a crack in a support post.
0: He took this video of the coaster on Friday, and can you see it? It shows the crack at the top of a steel pole. As riders come around the corner, the crack appears to expand and contract. The man says that he reported the crack to guest services before leaving, but then he called the fire department, and they called him back in 10 minutes to say that the ride had been shut down. The amusement park says all rides are inspected daily, and the coaster will remain closed until repairs have been completed.
1: You can see daylight through that crack. I apologize in advance if you were headed to King's Dominion or Busch Gardens today, (laughs) and you got to wrestle with that. Uh, But this roller coaster is called the Fury 325. Uh, This coaster is located in the Carowinds Amusement Park in Charlotte, North Carolina, so not too far down the road from us. Uh, And this coaster was dubbed one of the fastest, tallest, longest roller coasters in America. But one crack One compromised support beam brought it all to a halt. It's scary to imagine what would have happened if Jeremy Wagner, uh, the man who reported this, he was a father of children on that very ride. It's scary to imagine what might have happened if, if he had assumed it wasn't such a big deal. Engineers, as they have started to survey and look and try to determine what's going on, they've Uh, come to the consensus that the writers that day were in imminent danger. As we continue in our study today of Jesus' words to the seven churches in Revelation, uh, we're going to hear His warning about a crack forming, a crack forming in the church of Pergamum, a breakdown, a failure in a foundation of the church, except the crack... That Jesus is warning about is not in uh, the blocks of the building or the footers uh, that they are laid upon. No, the crack that is forming within the church is the crack of compromise on biblical truth. So perhaps this message today is a little bit of a foundation inspection, if you will, for us. If there was a crack in the foundational elements of the church as followers of Jesus, would we be willing to hear Jesus' warning? Even if, if so many things are going well, if so much stuff looks right, would we still heed His warning about a crack of compromise? As your pastor, as a fellow follower of Jesus, I hope we will. I hope we'll hear Jesus' warning and seek to repair and repent from those areas of compromise in our life, to take that step towards repentance. You see, because Jesus knew the work of the church in the first century, and He knows the work of the church in 2023. He knows all the things that are going right and the beauty, but He also sees the danger ahead if we fail to repent and repair the cracks of compromise. Today, we're continuing with week four of our teaching series called The Seven Churches of Revelation. Revelation uh, is a book that focuses on the person of Jesus and His kingdom. Uh, It really begins and ends with Jesus, and in that, friends, is great hope for us today. There is great hope in Revelation, because Revelation is literally the revelation, the revealing of Jesus himself. So throughout our series, uh, we're focusing specifically on Jesus' words to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Th- these were real churches, real people meeting in real time and real space who had real encouragement, were doing great things, but they were also facing real challenges. And today we're going to hear that they were facing real compromise in their midst, the, the churches that are represented in, in uh, Revelation two and three, uh, they faced many challenges from the pagan world, from worship of other gods and other deities. They faced persecution and pressure from government policies and practices. Uh, there was an immense pressure to conform to the culture of the day, and you begin to hear rather quickly that the pressure of the first century church is not so different than the church pressure we face today in our world some churches thrived. Some churches thrived in the face of that difficulty. They were encouraged and commended by the Lord, yet others compromised. They gave in to the pull, to the allure of sin, and Jesus is inviting them. He's calling them to repentance, to faithfulness. Today, as we continue with our teaching series, studying the church of Pergamum, we're going to hear the warning about the cracking and the compromise of the church. I would invite you to stand today as we open God's Word. Revelation 1 uh, pronounced blessing on those who will read and hear and study and, yes, obey the words that Jesus spoke to the church. So as we stand today, as we dive into the Word, we're standing in a tradition of blessing in the reading of God's Word. And so that's where we're going to begin today. Revelation 2 at verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write... These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Verse 14, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Uh, You may be seated this morning. On the day that Jeremy Wagner saw the crack in the support beam of the Fury 325 roller coaster, the ride was working just fine. It was working just fine. From a distance, everything looked as it should. I mean, if you think about the amount of things that were going right that day, it far outweighs that little crack. Because I mean you have to think that the seat belts, they were all in order. The electric motors, they were working together and propelling the cars upwards of ninety miles an hour on this roller coaster. The framework and the structure of the roller coaster cars and the trucks that held them on the track through all those G-4s, all of that was working flawlessly. So many things were going right. But one beam, one beam out of the hundreds that support that coaster cracked, and they shut it down. They shut it down. As Jesus looked at the church of Pergamum, He knew all the things that were going right how hard they worked, how they had strived to hold the faith and not deny His name. He saw that, but He also saw the crack of compromise growing in their midst. Maybe maybe the church in Pergamum, maybe they suspected it already. Maybe they were totally blind to it. He saw the ways that the church was believing and accepting sin of the culture as being okay for themselves too. You see, what appears to be happening here is that some of the things considered normal in the culture were becoming normal in the church. The crack of compromise was forming. And not only did Jesus see this compromise forming, he warned them. He warned them that unless they repented, unless they took decisive action, turning away from their sin, it would all come crumbling down. Today, you know, part of our goal in this series is to hear and to understand what the first century church heard, but it's also an opportunity to listen in on the warnings and the exhortations to the church. And today many churches, you don't have to look far, this is no new story, but many churches are splitting due to cracks of compromise. And look, this this is not about pointing fingers at this denomination or that, but this is an awareness that we in 2023 as followers of Jesus are not immune to compromise. The Mennonite church, the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church, the church of the brethren, churches in our own community are splitting and fracturing because of compromise. Compromise on biblical truth and the authority of Scripture has caused immense confusion and pain for so, so many. And Jesus is warning Pergamum, and He's warning us today. Will you hear His warning? Will you respond to His invitation to repentance and following the way of Jesus? Will we be faithful to deal with the areas of compromise in our life? Because that's where it starts, right? This is a denominational truth to understand and to hear that warning, but it begins with us compromising in our story, in our walk. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you that today you know us, Lord. You, you know the ins, the outs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, Lord, you're inviting us. You're inviting us to repent, to turn away, to be humble before the truth of your word, and, and to see the areas at which we might be compromising. Lord, living with divided loyalties or allegiances, Lord, search our hearts. May we be quick to repent or to pursue you today. We love you, Lord, and it is in your gracious and merciful hands that we place ourselves. Amen. As the, the address begins here to the church in Pergamum, uh, the speaker is identified as the one with a sharp, double-edged Sword and, and the imagery here really takes us back to the uh, first chapter of our Revelation where John sees an image. He sees the resurrected Christ, the one in authority. And here we have to begin to wrestle with a little bit of that imagery that can make Revelation so tricky, right? Uh, but this idea of a double-edged sword, Jesus is introduced here uh, as one having authority, as being the judge over the church. And so the one speaking is the one in authority who has the right to speak judgment. And he begins speaking a word of encouragement to the church in Pergamon. Let's begin at verse 13. He says, I know where you live where Satan has his throne. Now, I don't know where you grew up and what reputation was there. I grew up in Briarie Branch on the west end of the county, and there was this place called Hamburger Heaven. See, y'all? how do y'all know that? You see, there's this idea of reputation, and like, I guess pe- what I've heard is that people from Elkton didn't go there, and we lived there, we didn't come here. But you have this idea that there's reputation. The reputation of Pergamon, that what Jesus sees, what he knows about where they live, is where Satan has his throne. That makes hamburger heaven look like heaven, I don't know. But he says, for all that Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city." Where Satan lives. Uh, You see, much like the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamum uh, had been faithful through some really challenging times. And I don't think we should breeze past these words as insignificant to the warning that's coming. Because I would propose to you, friends, uh, the church, the Christians in Pergamum face difficulty and challenge holding the faith and holding the name of Jesus that we have yet to experience. And so as we study and we learn and we hear the warning, this is not a ragamuffin bunch of Christians. They had held the faith, they had held the name of Jesus in high regard, even to the point of martyrdom. But yet they were not immune to compromise. I think we need to dwell there a minute. Pergamum, you see, it was a city overflowing with idolatry, with pagan gods to be worshipped, so much so that it's identified as where Satan's throne is. Uh, One commentary I had listed, like 13 different things that that could be alluding to. There was that much stuff going on in Pergamum. And so, uh, just a few of those. um, The pagan god Zeus had a temple there, had a temple. Uh, There was a pagan god of healing that also had a center of worship there. And so people from all over the area were coming and seeking healing in Pergamum. And again, this was also, they were a leader in the worship of the Roman Empire, the Roman government. And so you begin to get this sense, this feel, that idolatry and the pagan ideology was literally surrounding the church. I mean, like waters around an island, Pergamum is standing. And they have not denied their faith in Jesus, even in the face of death. They had not denied. They were praised and commended for holding firm amidst that pressure, amidst the social ostracism, the financial hardship. They had not given up the faith. And friend, can I just say that for a moment, that is an incredible testimony of the perseverance of that church. But for all the things going right, Jesus says, Yet I have this against you. There was a crack threatening to bring it all down. They were not immune to the threat of compromise. Let's continue in verse 14. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, uh, you have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans." And it's a bit ironic, but as if studying Revelation wasn't hard enough. Uh, this brings in an Old Testament passage found mostly in Numbers that is really hard to unpack and to understand the story of Balaam and Balak. So just a 10,000-foot view of that story. Balaam, uh, he is a pagan prophet in the Old Testament, and and he is a well-known, he's almost world-renowned, if you will, for being able to influence the gods to curse the enemy. And so what happens here is that Balak, he's a Moabite king, and he's beginning to get concerned at his empire. The Moabites are getting ready to get taken over by the children of Israel. So he calls a fellow, right? He phones a friend and calls Balaam and says, look, I need you to curse the children of Israel. But God intervenes and would not allow that to happen. But as you continue on through Scripture, every time they look back to this incident, uh, authors of Scripture look back on this, uh, they see that Balaam, though he couldn't curse them, he counseled Balak that if he wanted to defeat the Israelites, the way to do that was to get them to compromise their loyalty to God's law by joining in the feasts and the pagan parties and the sexual immorality of their culture So we might summarize the doctrine of Balaam this way, that if you can't curse them, corrupt them. If you can't get them to reject their God completely, get them to reject parts of the truth. And friends, this is how Jesus is likening those in the church at Pergamum that are compromising the truth of God's word. We see the warning there of eating food, sacrifice to idols, and sexual immorality. Uh, often within the worship of these pagan deities at, at Zeus or whatever, you name the temple, so many times uh, animals were sacrificed as a part of this ritual. So there's literally ribeyes rolling out of the temple, Right? And they're beginning to partake and indulge in those parties. And it's not about the meat. It's the way at which they're doing it. They're beginning to give allegiance to the deity. The way they're partaking is making allegiance and loyalty to that pagan god or goddess. The temple prostitutes. Much of the worship that these pagan god involved uh, illicit sexual activity and different things. But it was all a form of worship. And when you begin to try to pull that forward 2,000 years, it begins to get a little tough. But, uh, so these are loose examples if you want to try to think of this for us today. Uh, you, you might think of a, of a church hosting a beer and wine festival. I mean, you would hear that and you'd go, hmm, huh? really? Or, or maybe a, a church-sponsored uh, swimsuit contest, you'd be like, No way. Or if you heard next week that we were going to get a charter, a bus, and we're going to get the joy group together. I'm an honorary member. We're going to get the joy group together. We're going to go to Charlestown. We're going to play some slots and battle on some horse and dog graces. You see, things that were okay in the culture that were uh, socially accepted were making their way into the church and being put forth as if it was okay. The compromise was coming in. And Jesus is warning that that's what's beginning to happen at the church. And, and friends, maybe this in this time of persecution, maybe uh, eating that ribeye at the temple, maybe it got you from being picked on all week. Maybe it allowed you to continue in your job to provide for your family. Best case scenario, right? Maybe the activities that were surrounding it, maybe they just became more pleasurable. And they were pursued for that pleasure alone. Because you see, they're professing faith in Christ, but the allure of the culture and sin around them is drawing them away. So yet, while they are praised for holding the faith in Pergamum, they are rebuked for allowing the ways of Pergamum to creep into the church. They're praised for holding the faith in Pergamum, but they're rebuked for the ways of Pergamum coming into the church. You could phrase that a different way and say, they weren't explicitly denying Jesus, but they weren't exclusively following Him either. Compromise. Compromise. You see, cracks were forming in the church, and they're beginning to spread, and Jesus warns them of catastrophe unless they repent. And that's where we go to verse 16. Repent, therefore, repent, turn back. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Jesus is here calling for decisive action a decided turn away from the cracks of compromise in the church, in their lives. Repentance is a forsaking, a a turning away from the sin at which they were engaged. And he's saying, if you fail to do this, if you fail to repent, Jesus is saying, I will come and fight against them with the sword of my mouth here's the imagery, uh, this idea of the sword of his mouth uh, is that of the, the, his judicial authority uh, and the word of truth, Scripture. You see, the author of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the the Word of God. And so Jesus is is threatening those who are compromising the truth of God's Word. He doesn't withhold the truth that there is judgment ahead. There's judgment ahead for those in compromise who are dabbling in sin and beginning to look the other way. There is judgment ahead. But He loves them enough to call them to repentance. If you do not repent, I will come. He's calling them to be alert, to be diligent in their life, minding, yes, their lives, and but, yes, minding the community that is which they are a part of in the church. Verse 17, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, the idea there, to overcome The one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. And so Jesus has encouraged, he's pointed out and rebuked the cracks of compromise, and he's told them, he's warned them of judgment coming, and he's also reminding them of the hope ahead that is in Jesus to those who repent. He's reminding them in Pergamon that there is a great reward, a life ahead in eternity to those who are victorious, to those who will deal and address the compromise in their lives. There is the promise of victory. There is the promise of eternal life. The promise of manna, sustenance from God himself. That's a direct contrast to the ribeyes coming out of the pagan temples. God will provide a white stone, an indication of God's approval. We've said it time and time again throughout this series that Revelation is a Jesus letter and that it is full of hope. And friends, that hope is clear in this passage. To those who remain faithful, who repent from compromise, repent and deal seriously with sin, there is a promise of eternity, free of persecution, free of want and need, free of death, and abounding in hope. Jesus calls us, he calls the church to lift their eyes from the pleasure of compromise to the horizon of hope found in Jesus. Lift your eyes, friends, to the horizon of hope. Jesus. As the band uh, would begin to make their way forward, as you study Pergamum a little bit, uh, scholars debate a little bit how big the city was. Uh, Some will say uh, 100, 120,000, and other scholars will say close to 200. Uh, If if you wiggle around in there somewhere, you're going to find somebody about the size of Richmond. So, this is not like 35 people over here. This is a church in a populace of a, over 100,000 people. And so this warning, these words, yes, are to the big picture church in Pergamon. They need to be aware the cracks are forming in their midst under the pressure of the culture to compromise. They need to be aware that they are departing from the truth of Scripture. And today, as, as we would read this letter, we need to be aware of compromise, yes, in the church, but also in our lives. Because that's where it begins, right? Even the denominational compromise begins in the pew, it begins in the individual heart that begins to to temper with, to, to give in to the pressure of culture to compromise. And then it gains growth as a movement. So we need to hear the warning as the church. We need to hear the warning as followers of Jesus today, beware the cracks of compromise. I don't think it's hyperbole today to say that the church in America is already showing catastrophic signs of compromise. And look, th- this is not about us and them. That we're, this is about the church. Stories of denominations wrestling with current issues around sexuality, social justice, or politics. Compromise is present, and today, friends, here at 414 Eastside Highway in Elkton, we are not immune. We are not immune. So we need to hear Jesus' warning to address the crack before it comes catastrophic. The cultural pressure around us, and this is not news to you. You live in this world every day. The cultural pressure around us is, is to be tolerant, is to be acceptant of all other perspectives around us, to just say, oh, that's Okay. There's a real pressure to pull away from truth, to water down the exclusive call of following Jesus. Christians in our very community are having to have had to pull away from lifelong churches because denominations are are affirming lifestyles and principles not in line with the Scriptures. Friends, it is gut-wrenching. In a, uh, Lord forgive us. I was in a conversation with a friend this week. Um, he is one of the um, most prolific followers of Jesus I know. Um, faithful through and through. He's a part of a church um, that uh, part of a denomination that is compromising on the matter of human sexuality. Uh, their church, who's going to remain anonymous because it's, it's not relevant right now. Their church has, has completely embraced the sin of marriage between couples of the same sex, wholesale acceptance. And my friend is so torn. He's so heartbroken, and yet he's righteously angry at the compromise that has eroded his beloved church. And we were talking, and I said, where did it start? Right? Like, that seems like a good question to me, because I don't think you just wake up after morning coffee and devotions one day and go, we're going to compromise it all. Like, right, like there's a small crack somewhere, a hairline fracture that begins to go unnoticed or untended to that grows. And I just said, Where did it start? And instantly, he didn't have to think about it. Instantly, he said, It was 40 years ago. Whoa, I'm not even 40. He said, It was 40 years ago. When we as a church, as a denomination decided that the scriptures were not the final authority for our faith and our lives. Where did it start? When we first God's word. He said when we said the word of God was not authoritative anymore, that was the beginning of the end. It just took 40 years to get to this point. The crack of compromise might grow slow. He said, the presenting issue, like uh, uh, what's on the surface, he said, right now it's all about issues of sexual sin. But he said, the real issue is that we have forsaken the common understanding of the Bible as authoritative in our lives. And friends, I think that's the warning for us today. We might not be where some other churches are yet. We might not be there yet, but be aware of the cracks of compromise that start as a hairline. God is calling us not to forsake his truth. In the face of, of the culture that says, accept everything, tolerate everything, you do you. I can't. I can't. You see, there's, there's a pendulum swaying in the church right now. And it has swung so far out towards compromise under the veil of tolerance and acceptance. We have elevated, we have so prioritized people's feelings and their preferences, our feelings and our preferences. We've elevated those things over what God's word says. And friends, when we do that, we are committing idolatry. We are worshiping ourselves, not God. We have bowed to the cult of popular culture. And just like that Fury 325 roller coaster, it might take a while before it begins to show. But friends, cracks of compromise are always fatal unless we repent. What we be found as God's people in 2023, faithful to his word, Will we surrender our preferences and, and our happiness, our, 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 all those things? Will we surrender ourselves and cling to the authority of the Word of God over our lives for how we relate to one another? His Word says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Will we humble ourselves under that? Will we humble ourselves under God's vision of our sexuality, of how we are created in His image and and His vision for life as husband and wife? Will we surrender ourselves to that truth? Will we surrender our lives under the authority of His Word? Jesus says, repent. Repent. Repair those cracks of compromise. There is a reward, friends, for those who are victorious. And look, you know, this compromise idea doesn't mean that we turn this into a ball bat to beat everybody with it. You see, because we're called to uphold truth, to make this the ultimate authority, and to reach out to our lost and broken world to show them the love and kindness of Jesus. We're called to stand in that tension intention is it ever but we must hold the word of God as our ultimate authority friends or we will fall under the cracks and pressure of compromise will you repent will I see this is a, this is a message today but this is a way of living <laughs> to live aware and in tune with the word of the Lord Will you repent? Maybe repairing that crack means it's time to go to rehab. Maybe repairing that crack means it's time to have some hard conversations about that relationship. Maybe repairing that crack in repentance is going to involve a counselor, an accountability partner. Whatever that is, friends, will you take that step today? Will you take that step towards... Jesus who is calling. Let's pray together. Lord, um I'm sorry for the compromise in my life. I want to be humble before you. And I want to repent. And Lord, I'm sorry for the compromise in our church. I pray that you would show us and you would call us back to truth. Lord, that we would be your people who stand in that middle ground of upholding truth and righteousness and fiercely holding and clinging to the life you have given us in Scripture, but fearlessly reaching out to the lost and broken world at which you have died for. grieve the pain of compromise in our churches today that in our communities, Lord. And Lord, we want to take a good, humble look in the mirror, the mirror of your truth and allow you to search our hearts. Show us the cracks of compromise whether we can see daylight through the crack it's so big or whether it's a hairline fracture, Lord. Catastrophic things are ahead if we don't repent. Lord, help us to lift our eyes to the horizon of hope in Christ, to live fully after you. If you're here today and you sense God is pointing out some cracks of compromise in your life, will you deal with it? Don't leave today thinking it's no big deal. Don't turn away and think, oh, my ride's still going all right. I got time. Will you please come before the Father in repentance? Just say, I'm sorry. Will you bring healing in my life? We love you today, Father. We commit ourselves to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.